and welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftoff, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me as always, Tara Nichols, almost said Tara Wellman, it's been a while, but I finally got it. Tara Nichols from uh, Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, we're coming to you on Sunday night as always, but after a week of, well, six Cardinal wins, it's a... Been a long time <laughs> since we've had uh, less uh, less things to complain about, more things to be happy about. But before we get to the Cardinals, I do want to start out with the fact that this week um, on Thursday, uh, MLB had the Field of Dreams game in Iowa. Um, and Tara, you are from Iowa, um, so you were probably blacked out from that game. But um, but if you got to, besides the fact that you're from Iowa, you're also in TV. What was that production like for you? I I do have to pause and say, as as much as I've lived here since 2004, I still don't really claim being from Iowa. Fair. I'm not original fair. to the state, so I'm not sure if that counts. <laughs> well, since I've known you, you've lived in Iowa. <laughs> true, so. true. Nonetheless, I do live, I do reside in the state that has never had a professional baseball inside of it until now. So... Um, yeah, it was cool. And, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> the people in Iowa love to show off their state. <laughs> and, you know, whatever that actually means, sometimes it's like weird Iowa State Fair stuff that you're like, mm, yeah, that's that's what you're going to brag about. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there are plenty of reasons to, you know, maybe not show off everything all the time. But this sort of event is kind of made for the people in this state to really get behind and and be really proud of something that exists here that doesn't exist anywhere else. And of course, that is the, the set and the, uh, the premise of <laughs> mm-hmm. the movie that we all know and maybe love to hate. I don't know. There's some, <laughs> there's some contention there about the quality of the movie itself. And I think that's fair. If you go back and watch it, some of it holds up. Some of it, you're like, what? this is not, I was, uh, here, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say about the movie. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed watching it. Um, yes. My mom has never seen it. And, I was trying to explain it to her today and I was like, listen, if you watch it, it's kind of cool. But if you try to explain it, it doesn't yeah, make any sense. It doesn't work. No. There's no part of this movie in trying to just like explain it in a short version to someone who has no concept of what it's about that it's going to make any sense. It just doesn't. It's weird. Yeah. It doesn't fit anything, but it also has some awesome moments in it. So uh, people here love it. They love that it's about Iowa in a lot of respects uh, as far as the setting is concerned. And yes, the, the, the spot is there. People make a trip of it. I will also admit that I have not ever been there. It's like an hour and a half from me, so I don't know why. Because <laughs> you can uh, just, always do it, so you never do. Right. That's yeah. probably true. It's like we could, we could make that day trip and then we never do. Um, but all of that is the introduction to say that uh, I was very curious to see how they would mesh the two worlds together, right? The the concept that it's in Iowa where there's never been a professional major league team before. Um, and it's the movie set for a movie that, again, doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> if you haven't seen it. But there's a, a lot of moments that were created by that night and the production of it as a whole. It was really interesting watching kind of the mix of 
a very cinematic approach on just filming an event as well as you know the more traditional and typical coverage of a live baseball game so the whole opening sequence was (laughs) i'll admit (laughs) i thought the wandering around the outfield took a little too long (laughs) (laughs) i think Darren Crawford got lost i was like uh are we but i i get it it's i'm i'm over it (laughs) and then they came out of the corner and i was like okay but that's cool (laughs) yeah so very cool highlight moments kind of punctuated by a little bit of self-indulgence that was like do we really need to do that i don't know but it was cool so i'm okay with it um and then overall i mean the game itself you could not have asked for a better game that fit the moment in terms of the drama and the flair and the entertainment value and it was you know i know a couple people who were there and they they all really echoed the same sentiment that it was a really cool moment to be a part of. And I know that, I don't know how you feel about MLB saying that they're, they're going to do it again. I feel like it's going to be really hard to match that moment or to live up to it in any sort of replication of it again and again. But I do love the concept of taking, you know, America's pastime into the heartland of America into places that don't get that chance to see major league baseball up close and personal, which then ties back into the very, uh, (laughs) the very real situation that people in the state of Iowa are in. And that is of course that we are indeed blacked out from six, six different major league baseball teams and their broadcasts here without one of them being in the state that is blacked out from all of those games. So sort of a two-sided coin there in that it was really cool. I think that it, it left an impact in a lot of really valuable ways as far as baseball is concerned. But uh, it just reinforces that people in the state of Iowa don't really matter to Major League Baseball unless they can create a very lucrative uh, situation for themselves out of it, which is the business end of the whole thing. But in general, it was cool. It was a really fun break from the norm. And I think the game more than lived up to the moment. Um. Yeah, there were a few points in there. I, I don't necessarily know if I've got them all, but um, yeah, it was funny. I, there was a person that put out on Twitter, you know, a clip from Major League, from Major League, um, from uh, Field of Dreams. There it is. Wow, this is bad. <laughs> um, anyway, from Field of Dreams about the time, you know, when Archie Graham goes out to play the game and the game starts and there comes a little screen up that says you've been blacked out from this game. <laughs> um, you know, that kind of thing, how, how they do that. But, you know, I enjoyed it. I didn't watch all the game. I got, I got, I wanted to watch the beginning of the, the pageantry of the beginning. And yeah, I did think Kevin Costner had maybe made a wrong turn <laughs> somewhere guys, along the did way. Did someone miss a cue? <laughs> also, the very funny that he's like, at the end, is this heaven? And I think half the people were yes and half the people were no because, you know, it's answered, you know. Um, that was, was like, a little I don't bit. know, we'll try again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, I'm going to give you the answer now. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed, yeah, the people, the players coming out of the corn and, you know, the old timey uniforms and, um, you know, just seeing that whole thing. My, 
last year during the quarantine and I showed that to my son who's not I mean he doesn't really care that much about baseball he knows about it he played it a little bit but it's not a big thing for him and he really enjoyed the movie back to so I was showing him the game and he thought that was really cool he wasn't gonna sit down and actually watch it but mm. you know that part was was kind of cool for him so you know I think it was something new for baseball to do and I liked it it's kind of like them playing at um what the Little League World Series in mm-hmm. Williamsport yeah um in fact I um they get these surveys for baseball because you signed up for them and they'll send you these, you know, surveys every once in a while. And they sent one out after the game. And one of them was, you know, what other kind of locations would you like to see such a certain game? And it would be really interesting to see them play games in unique locations. You know, I mean, they've played Fort Bragg, they've played other places. Um, If they could continue to do that, um, somebody suggested, you know, they could probably come up with like, 13 different ones a year and play like every Thursday, have a, you know, unique game on Fox. That would be pretty cool. That seems yeah. probably overkill, but they probably will do, but still it'd be nice a way to, to reach out. I love that idea. I love that more than trying to replicate the field of dreams game every year. Although I, you know, I get it. There are other teams that would probably like to play in it, which is fine. The, whatever. But I like the idea more of sort of a traveling feature game that, yeah highlights a different part of the country or you know some other place of significance or whatever it might be i don't know that it even has to be movie related although there are plenty of baseball movies that probably all involve kevin costner yeah, um, so you could just use that as your theme if you want um <laughs> no but i i do think that it would be cool we were talking after the game that you know it might be interesting baseball won't do it because it won't have the same draw but you know, the fact that they played a major league game in a state without a major league team gives that opportunity to fans that wouldn't otherwise have it. You know, they could go to a lot of places, especially now that there aren't minor league teams in a number of places across the country, at least not affiliated teams, I should say. Um, It would be cool if they could kind of bring baseball to those fans if there's a way to do it that is an idea that i would be much more excited about than watching them try to recreate the magic of the field of dreams game in the same way as they did i mean you know you can't do that same opening again and have it make the same impact because everyone's going to know it's coming everyone's going to be expecting it i don't know how you redo that in a way that um, you know, has the same mystique. So I think there are a lot of interesting options and the fact that baseball's trying to be creative and reach an audience in a new way is something to applaud. Uh, I just know major league baseball has the ability to run these things into the ground <laughs> before well, yeah. they allow them to be successful. And I would hate to see that be the way this goes. Yeah. I guess next year you have um, James Earl Jones come out of the corn because there you know, go. he there actually, you go went into it um you know i do think the fact that you know it was kind of broadcast earlier not not broadcast um it's why you don't tell people things um david ross comes out in the middle of the week and says something of the fact that oh we're gonna play in that next year which he wasn't probably supposed to say because the commissioner (laughs) didn't announce that until the game of the night that they were gonna have another one Uh But with the Cubs playing there, it does feel like it's a really good chance that the Cardinals are going to play the Cubs in that game next year. Yeah. Um, in part because they were supposed to play there last year uh-huh. um, as a fill-in 
yeah, everybody knows they were going to fill in over that one. So it really just feels like they'll at least do that. And, and, you know, who knows? I mean, in some regards, they did a lot to that field. Um, yeah. You know, they probably want to get at least three or four games out of that field. You mean um, the $5 million they spent on that field for one night? Okay, well, maybe not then. Because, you know, $5 million, it's not, not even a reliever now these days. Right. So, but right. uh, <laughs> but still, um, if they can if they can get... 15 or 20 million dollars out of that mm-hmm. they would they would like that so yeah. um but you know again the exposure and you're right I, I was thinking the same thing how do you do it again and i think you with a little bit of mystique you could probably do it on a national broadcast maybe another time maybe two and then after that i think it would still be cool for the players i think yeah. it would still be cool for the atmosphere it's not going to have the same emotional impact, but I can no. still be put it on the schedule and a team is going to be excited about playing there. Sure. And, you know, I think if you make sure that it's some sort of rivalry game, mm-hmm. that may add to it a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think the, like I said, the magic is going to wear off a little bit just for the viewers right. of right. it because we've seen it before. Um, and, you know... <laughs> I guess some people like to rewatch the same movie over and over and over again, but I don't know that that exact scenario is going to work as a duplicate, <laughs> but they'll, they'll try it until it doesn't work anymore. I'm, I'm sure. sure they will. I'm sure they will. Um, we're just hoping that there is a game next year, of course, with the CBA <laughs> going up, but uh, we'll not get too negative. While we're talking about TV, though, and broadcasting, there was a little bit of a thing this week, in fact, this weekend. Um, As everybody that watches the Cardinal games knows, Bally Sports, and I I assume it's Bally Sports, not Bally Sports Midwest. I may be wrong. Maybe there are other teams are, but Bally Sports has not sent the broadcasters on the road yet. We're still getting Danny Mac and whoever you know, locked in separate rooms um, at Bush Stadium doing the game, watching the same game that we are. I love Alex Chris Foley's idea of having Danny Mac do the game from game day, um, you know, and just have him say, in play, runs. And, and yeah. that's about what it was, yeah. seemed like at this time. Because Nolan Arenado hits a ball that, in terrible broadcasting, looked like a home run. Danny Mac thought it was a home run. Very excited. And it turned out to be a ground rule double. Um, You said you had some professional insight on some of that. Well, I just, I was thinking about it today and I've worked in a number of scenarios where major broadcasts that don't want to send someone to an event internationally will do these sort of things where they're calling Mm -hmm. an event from a studio. And I've always hated it, no matter the sport, because you can tell in so many ways that they're not there for one thing. And it doesn't add any value that I couldn't give you on my own sitting in my living room. It saves a lot on the production in terms of the logistics of it. And the, of course, expense of it, if you don't have to travel people, but there's a very real limitation. If you think about going to a baseball game and watching the game on your phone, (laughs) (laughs) there's going to be a distinct difference in what you see and what you hear and where you can look and how you can get visual cues, auditory cues, all sorts of things about what is or isn't happening. And it's 
frustrating when you're limited to what you're seeing on a monitor in terms of, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened, especially if, as has been the case, this isn't really a new concept, but it has been uh, utilized pretty widely in the COVID era, if you mm-hmm. will, is that typically the home team broadcast is kind of like a a world feed, right? It's just a right. generic feed that both teams are getting, and then their mm-hmm. announcers talk over that. Right. Well, it's an unbiased type feed. In right. Some degree. The problem with that is that there are still two different broadcasts happening. So you you might hear the Cardinals announcers talking about Yadier Molina and his neck tattoos, and you never actually see Yadier Molina or his <laughs> neck tattoos. Well, it's because the director for the what you're, what you're seeing visually is not the same director for what you're hearing from the announcers. They're just talking and having a conversation while there are moving pictures in the background. When it's one broadcast for the team... <laughs> And they're controlling their own cameras and their own replays and all those things. They have a lot more control over what you're actually seeing, which then allows it to fit with the storytelling a little bit better. Um, The same thing can happen when you're sort of at the mercy of the camera operators or the director for the home feed or whatever it is. You kind of take what they're giving you for the most part and you may have... (laughs) a replay source that's your own or a single camera that's your own. And if you don't see what happened on the play on the four or five monitors that you have in front of your face, and they may not even have that, right? They may have exactly what we're seeing and no additional camera other than just the scoreboard so that they see what the scoreboard says. There was something in Sunday's game where there was an issue with what the, the count was, two yeah. balls and a strike, or a strike and two balls, whatever. And, you know, they're at the mercy of what the scoreboard says because they can't actually see the home plate umpire unless the sh- the the shot that we're all seeing at the same time is on the umpire. So to be fair, creates- for Lars Newtbar, the home plate umpire didn't have a clue what the count was either. Well, yes, so that, you know, that complicates happens. the entire situation. <laughs> uh, fortunately, someone else is keeping track this of how true. to count to three or four. <laughs> um, not just that guy because he was he was struggling. Yeah, he was struggling much much. Um, but the point is, I just there's no real conclusion to this thought except that. Yeah, it makes the announcers look bad, but at the same time, just because I know that we all we all get frustrated at times with the way the broadcasts go right now, mm-hmm. that it's there's I was going to say there are a lot of moving parts, but there are actually a lot fewer moving parts than there need to be in order to allow those guys to actually do their job well. And the first step of that is being at the ballpark and actually being able to see and hear and, you know, go track down something if they need to, whatever it is. Um, so when you have bad camera work and the broadcast doesn't do you any favors in terms of showing something that you'd like to talk about, then it all feels really disjointed and disconnected. And it doesn't sound like the announcers are having any fun <laughs> uh, trying to keep up with it at this point, this far into a season where a lot of people are traveling now, just not them. And it, it, I can only imagine the frustration of dealing with that, particularly when the broadcast that you are getting to call the game off of is not quite up to par. 
Well, and I think it hasn't seemed to be an issue at, at home. Again, the broadcasting team is in Bush Stadium, so it's a little bit different. But even so, they've got, it looks like, at least if you look at the, the screens and stuff, it looks like they've got like Danny Mack in one room and Rick Ann Keel or whoever it may be in another room. And I'm like, do we really need, I mean, you know, there's something about being together, right? They haven't, it has, again, hasn't seemed to be an issue. Which unless- I will say. I'm curious how they're doing that because before the switch over to Bally sports, they were actually in the same studio. They were just at opposite ends of a table. So you can set the shots up to look like they're in different places when they really aren't. So I would be curious to know. um, And if you've seen anything, like I said, before we started recording, I haven't seen a whole lot of uh, kind of pre and post game show or like after the game where they're talking back and forth or whatever it is. So I haven't seen everything that's gone on, but I know that that's what was happening last season, mm-hmm. even when it appeared that they were in different rooms. Yeah. And, they, and that may be the case. I'm thinking though, of, of, especially of, you know, Danny Max at, at the stadium and you know, Rick and Kill supposed to be, yes, and they've got that, different backgrounds yeah, and it's, yeah. and it's like, yeah, okay, maybe they are, but why are we trying to pretend that they're not sitting <laughs> next to each other? I mean, again, I, I would, I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming they're all vaccinated. They're, you know, taking their precautions or whatever. Um, it seems like a very low risk to have these two guys, you know, sit next to each other. And it may be that we kind of need that. So Danny Mac can kick Jim Edmonds and tell him to stop talking. Um, <laughs> but take his phone away. So he can yeah. Well, then, reading his text yeah. On see how many people are, are texting him, but, um, <laughs> but definitely it seems like it's just, just so much, and I think it's really obvious to this point. And again, we know, I mean, I, I know in this area, especially, you know, across the, the cases are high. Cases are mm-hmm. probably higher than they were, but we also do have some protections. It seems like right now, the only real reason is a monetary thing of keeping these guys at home. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Sinclair and, you know, Valley Sports, or whatever, gets their money no matter um and again, they'll cover it with health issues, and that may play a little bit of role. But I got to feel like if if they could send Danny Mac and Brad Thompson to Kansas City for free, they'd have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it just hasn't. Anyway, even if you want to just send them to the stadium, I mean, even if you don't want to send the whole truck and have two feeds and all that kind of stuff, because that, yeah, okay, that gets, starts to get expensive. And granted, you're going to have to do that at some point in time, I hope. I hope this isn't the new normal. But still putting them in the ballpark just again solves some of these problems well Um, it allows them to do their job and right right now it's it's really hard to be asked to do your job in kind of narrating a story that you can't see yeah and if you can't see it and you can't hear it and you can't you have a, a broader scope of what's going on than what the viewer at home has, then you're really limited in your ability to be able to do your job well. Yeah. Yeah. And for us that occasionally or less more than occasionally uh, hit mute on the buttons, it's, <laughs> you know, at least give us good camera work. So we have a clue right. what's going on. If you're not going to let Danny Mac see the home run, uh, <laughs> at least let us know whether right. it was a home run or a ground That's double. Right. That's right. So, um, Anyway, we've gone almost our normal length of time. We hadn't even actually talked about the Cardinals yet, so let's let's do some of that. And this week it was good, six wins, but they're against Pittsburgh and Kansas City. We see an amazing game out of Adam Wainwright. I don't think it really mattered. I mean, it helped that he was pitching against Pittsburgh, but still, to see Adam Wainwright throw a shutout 
with less than 100, less than 90 pitches um, was kind of insane, no matter who he's facing. And two hits of his own. And then had two hits and an RBI. Dro- drove in more runs than he allowed. Um, it's remarkable to see what he's doing. Then we get Jack Flaherty back against the Royals, and he looks really good in his last rehab start. Um, it just happened to be against what supposedly was a major league team. Um, the pitching staff, we saw John Lester get a win. We've seen J.A. Happ play much better as a Cardinal than he ever did anywhere else. Um, overall, it's been a really good week. So how much do you take for this being a issue for the uh, quality of, of components and how much is it for the team itself? Oh, I think I lost you for a minute there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you did look like it. So let's uh, we'll back up. Let me let I me heard do... I heard J Hap. Yeah, that it blew up. Yeah. I mean, Jay Happ has really done well for the Cardinals, but apparently not so well for broadcasting. Um, so let's see. Um, basically, how much is this is good pitching and good hitting and a team coming together, and how much of it is Kansas City versus Pittsburgh? I think it's really hard to tell until we see them against tougher competition, and lucky us, that's right around the corner. <laughs> but I think... You know, there we kind of joked about it at the trade deadline, but there is something to a change of scenery for a guy that's struggling. There is something to maybe hearing a different voice or just getting another chance or feeling like you could start, whatever it is. Maybe being unfamiliar to the league that you're traded to or sure. the division, whatever. There's something to that. I think we can all agree. But I also know that, you know, you sometimes see a a middle of the year trade that then a guy takes off for a little bit and looks like they've rebounded and maybe it doesn't last long term, but it's enough of a shot in the arm for the team that they can press forward a little bit. I think, first of all, back to Adam Wainwright, this team would be... <laughs> I don't even want to think about where this team would be without Adam Wainwright. And that's recognizing that they have not won all of the games that they should have won behind Adam Wainwright. Mm-hmm. He's pitched brilliantly in a number of games that they did not win because the offense couldn't back it up. And, you know, he's still having a, a phenomenal year. So to watch him then go out at this point in the season, I, I, I bet there are very few people that would have expected Adam Wainwright to still be pitching well in August, much less to be pitching that well <laughs> against right, any opponent right. in, in Major League Baseball at this stage. We were talking in the offseason. Can he survive a full season? Did he succeed last year because it was so shortened and that gave him the perfect storm of you know not having to press too hard as well as being healthy, whatever it is. Uh, I think he's answered all of those questions and then some at this point by pitching as well as he has in a really long time, doing things that it seems like shouldn't be possible and doing it just kind of nonchalantly, you know, just like, yeah, that's a thing that I did. It was cool. <laughs> Glad we won, <laughs> which is classic Adam Wainwright. So to see him do that was amazing. Jack Flaherty really brings a a level of balance and competitiveness back to this rotation. And I think that's also a bit of a sigh of relief. I think for me, it was to see him come back and make that kind of start 
regardless of the competition. So maybe it's better for him that he got his first start back against a team that hasn't been as competitive as they will face, uh, you know, in the next week or so. But it, it was still a major league start. He still looked pretty brilliant. And it's nice to know that he can still do that, <laughs> um, especially coming off of the lengthy uh break if you will <laughs> to let the oblique heal so um also kind of convenient that he didn't have to swing a bat in that start so that worked out in his favor but whether or not hap and lester and you know whatever it is if it's if it's a product of the environment in terms of they came to a team that still at least inside closed doors feels like they're competitive enough for a playoff spot or if it's just the circumstances of their playing pretty subpar teams it's really hard for me to say and you know i would love to come into this week after they just won six games and be like see i told you it was gonna be great but i think we all know based on the last like five weeks of shows that it's hard to kind of buy in to this team at this point because of the inconsistency but at the same time look it's hard to win six games in a row regardless of the opponent so um, you know, congrats to them for pulling it off and to see the offense sort of click in the same week as the pitching settles down. It, it's amazing how much of a difference that makes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're throwing strikes um, for the most part, um, it's just, you know, this team's always won with pitching and defense and the defense has never been a problem this year. So when you get the pitching, you know, the Cardinals have scored four runs in 11 straight games, four or more. Um, and that doesn't seem like much, but given where this offense was, that's a, that's a huge boost. And we're seeing some, you know, seeing Nolan Arenado have a great weekend, Paul Goldschmidt hitting a little bit, you know, the loss of Dylan Carlson didn't hamper them too much against the Royals. Hopefully he'll be healthy enough by time to, to take on the Brewers. Um, you know, right now it's clicking, but like we say, We'll figure it out when the Brewers come to town on Tuesday and see if it's all real or if it's a bit of a of a soft mirage. That being said, Brewers have had a pretty soft schedule as of late as well. So um, hopefully they're a little bit, maybe they're a little bit rusty and we can, uh, the Cardinals can sneak up on them a little bit. But uh, anyway, until next time, that is Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.